Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Communication Solution Podcast. We have Casey Jackson, our director here at the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change. Hello. He's going to be riffing off of an awesome topic today that you may have heard about with motivational interviewing. Uh, my name is John Gilbert. I'll be helping facilitate, maybe throw in a few things. And our whole goal here is to help you improve the outcomes with the individuals, organizations, and communities you serve in this case with a motivational interviewing evidence-based lens. So to do that, we have a topic today of kind of vague, but we're gonna get deep into this, a deep dive into ambivalence. Well, does this also to wrap this in a kind of concrete practical way, back to that one example, kind of the, the, the play out of this whole thing could be engaging someone because, for example, I brought up the whole keto thing, so we could use that. We could use the dinner example. I'll just use the, ex the healthcare example we were talking about earlier. We're having a conversation. You're coming in. The fact that you showed up, I'm going to have a belief that you must care about your health to some degree, even if your doctor you know, made you come here or something. Like, the fact that you showed up, I'm going to try to treat you if you came in as if you could have ambivalence. But if you show that you're not ready for that, I need to get in your skin. I need to operate from your narrative like is what you're saying i need to operate from the way you're narrating your own world that's like the key first step to this and then in so doing is there ambivalence in that narrative about what right and what we're talking about that i think is really important to highlight is it's not necessarily about the ambivalence about the keto diet or whatever diet it's ambivalence about in this case their well-being their future right the quality right. of life related to their physical or mental health. And I think right. that's where we bring in the Focus Mountain. We have a whole podcast on that yes. and all sorts of resources we train on around that, that when you transcend, as it were, this one little dot, it's more meaningful to go higher on the map, to go deeper into their motives first, a lot of the time, instead of making it about what diet are you considering, yes or no. And it's much more about, do they have ambivalence? I should, but I ought to, but about their health and well-being. And if they do, then there's a place to explore that. And that's where I want to kind of take the podcast next is how you explore ambivalence. But let's say they do have ambivalence. What we're talking about is helping them get clear of their priorities and resolving that on their version of happier, healthier. That might include, like you said, with partnering, some information for informed choice but it's based off of their narrative of how they're narrating, which might mean to be practical here. Right now, as the spring comes up or the summer comes up, they're gonna do a keto diet to lose as much weight as possible so that they can fit in their swimsuit and look a certain way uh, so that that's when they're gonna do it. But they know because of the health outcomes, they've decided right. they're not gonna do that for the long term, and they're resolving that. And like you said, if I have an issue, that starts to turn out of motivational interviewing. It's right. their choice. I've helped them with informed choice, but they're aligning their behaviors with who they wish to be. That to me kind of solidifies what you were talking about is they get to choose now with that information who they want to be, regardless of, of what I want for them. Right. And it's why, you know, when you're mountain construct, you know, that we talk about often 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 and it's just the whole concept of there's got all these trees that we can chase at the bottom of the mountain that are that we're taught or told or we need to avoid or need to chase whether it's money or drugs and alcohol or relationship or whatever those are all things that we we look at in our lifetimes and, and make decisions around and values-based decisions when you get to the top of the mountain and look at integrity relationship connection you know contribution core values both 
irrespective of where you focus, there can be ambivalence on both. There can be ambivalence on, you know, how I choose to get my income or, or my financial resources that I can have ambivalence about that. I can feel two ways about that. Feel like I may not have access to that. Um, or I feel like I have unlimited access because of the power and privilege that I have. So, I mean, we can look at any one thing like money, which is a tree um, in the Focus Mountain, not a money tree, I wish. Uh, <laughs> or um, if there's something more along the lines of, of, you know, career or the job or the children or the family, or, you know, what am I pursuing? Which tree am I chasing down here? Which one am I trying to, you know, get to or accomplish? I can have ambivalence about that. But like you and I have, have our, had a, our own personal conversations with each other about when we get into ambivalence about certain values. Um, you know, I, I, I've shared multiple times with people the conversation that you and I got this clarification in our own personal relationship between integrity and connection. You know, which one trumps? You can have ambivalence about even the core values, which is why behavior change is so complex. Mm -hmm. Because not only can you have ambivalence about a specific tree or specific, you know, tangible, hardcore thing that we're trying to accomplish, whether it's family, children, whatever. Um, and then once you get to, okay, what's my, what's my priority or what's my core value that drives that? We can have ambivalence about some of our own core values or, or um, there can be more than one value and depending on which one reigns supreme could dictate the outcome of my decision at this point in time, which by definition has some ambivalence to it as well. So, so you've got ambivalence at the core behavior level, and then you can have some level of ambivalence at the values-based level, and your brain can ping back and forth between the tree that's right in front of you and the peak at the top of the mountain and pinging back and forth between that, which means that ambivalence exists. Which, which also starts to tap into something I think a lot of people can relate to that I'll talk about in some of these trainings, but I do want to bring it towards, well, how do we explore this with people, right? And, and how do we explore ambivalence? Because it's talked about a lot, amplifying ambivalence is this exploration where I ought to, but I ought to, but uh, like, and I want to get into talking about that. And, and in this example, I think it's, it's helpful for everyone that's listening to self-disclose and go, okay, in different situations, I, my values aren't going to change a ton. But for example, if I'm in a social situation, I'm more likely to have that dessert or drink that alcohol or some sort of thing that leads to a quality of life. It could be called rationalizing. It could be called a lot of things, but yeah. it's going to lead to a certain quality of life and connection, especially when, you know, for a lot of people that is alcohol or something like that leads to a different quality of connection. People you're giving up your own sense of well-being. Alcohol is not a health food. You know, it is, it is your own sense of well-being for this mental, this connection value that you're having. And there are times where <clears throat> you are making an informed choice. I know I have that for myself. I'm making an informed choice that this is going to trump this at this point in time. And I think that's what you're speaking to. That's so important for people to make informed choices to know what is quote unquote more healthy or less healthy and make decisions accordingly. Be it if it's a dentist telling you to do something versus you deciding I'm gonna eat these sugary foods that's gonna put the risk of my you know, teeth at order. That's why I have dental insurance and you wanna make that choice to eat more sugary right. foods for your teeth. That's your choice to do, right? And so I think that's just so important that brings it back to what you said of it's ultimately up to people. We're there to simply help them get clear of their priorities and their instant gratification versus their long-term gratification and really reflect on that. And that's what I wanna ask you is how do you help people then to get clear when they're saying like with weight loss or something, I don't know why I do what I don't wanna do. I just don't get it. I can't seem to change. 
how do you explore people's ambivalence to help them get clear of that that top of the mountain that who they want to be how do you do that i i think there's so many right ways to do it but just the as you were talking and what i was really thinking about you know i having recently lost my mom who you know i adored and had a great relationship with and one of her famous quotes is the reason why she always eats dessert is she feels sorry for those skinny gals who passed up dessert on the titanic um you know <laughs> and um <laughs> And so she's eating for all of them who, you know, it didn't matter if they were thin and eating healthy, the Titanic went down and they lost their life. So, you know, <laughs> so that was her rationale. And then, the, you know, the whole podcast with a thing that was brought up about, you know, one provocative question that I used in as a clinician at times or in personal lives at times, and for myself at times, is the whole question about five minutes after you've passed. And so with my mom recently passing, if she would have known that she, if she would have passed up all those desserts in her lifetime and lived maybe a year or two longer, when she looks over 88 years of her life, would she have passed up those desserts? No, she would not. Have. Her behavior five minutes after she's gone is she's glad of the decision she made mm -hmm. um, because she lived a full, rich life with all sorts of things that she indulged in and, and <laughs> was very present in everything that she indulged in. She sucked the life out of every single aspect of that. And and, 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 and passing at 88 years old, which is a, a pretty ripe age to be able to, you know, cross over at her or pass at, um, if she could have lived to 90 or 92 or 93, mm -hmm. if she would have given all that up, I don't think she would have sacrificed that for 88 years of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that it could have been short at 45 years, you know, for, you know, we just never know. And so that's why for me, when it's values driven or when I work on with myself or other individuals, personally or professionally about how do we resolve ambivalence, it, it, you really have to do kind of when push comes to shove, what is gonna give you the greatest sense of peace in the long run if you value peace in the long run, if mm -hmm. you value integrity in the long run, if you value connection in the long run, whatever your core value is, what is gonna make you feel like what you did aligned with that the most? And this is this moves into the next whole segment that we talk tons about is how do you resolve the ambivalence, not just diving into what is it, what are all the complications and confounding variables, but how do we even move once we get all those confounding variables and, and uh, you know, how almost massive ambivalence can be, then how the heck do we even have any impact on resolving it? Yeah. I mean, this is, this to me is the, the magic and the mastery of motivational interviewing. So, and I want to jump in there to say, like, I've been um, recently, it's been on my radar quite a lot with advanced trainings, people that especially don't go through our intro, but will then come to our advanced trainings, or even some people recently that have gone through our intro, they want to dive deeper into how you explore ambivalence. And, and there's classic, you know, things that, that we get trained in MI, like the acronyms that you got many trained in, like the IQ ledge, you know, um, inquiring uh, extremes and elaboration. We won't walk through the whole thing. If you are interested in that, we have that handout and different possibilities for how you do that in our membership that we, we provide. Uh, even I think the basic membership has some of that too. Um, but I'm simply getting at there are tools and techniques you can use, but a lot of it's seemingly like you're talking about Casey and we try to train to is how can you get in their skin and their worldview and see beyond the target behavior and really explore that. I, I am finding that the conversation makes sense to you and me and a lot of people, but then the skill set to embody that is right. maybe not as refined or sharp as I would have thought out in the world. And so talking about like 
why your health is important to you. Why else? And what would it be like if you had it or you didn't? And what if this? And what if that? And when I've done those sorts of things, it starts to make it concrete and practical for how you get higher up the mountain. We do these types of activities in our uh, trainings, right? How you start to hear values and get values. But I'm wondering your own kind of tips or tricks. You know, there's best case, worst case scenario, uh, querying the extremes to try to hear the values there of just like someone that seems to be stuck, like the weight loss is a great example, but whatever analogies or examples you want to use, how do you help someone work through their, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, and it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. They just keep staying in chronic contemplation of their ambivalence. Well, I, I think this is the, the, you know, distinction between the skill set and having skills and then having mastery or artistry proficiency in motivational interviewing for me the way that i look at it is how through any of the tools or none of those tools you know how do i find a way to masterfully hold up a mirror because all it is is about this person seeing themselves and do they like what they see if there's anything that there's discomfort with who they see in the mirror and how i hold that mirror up if there's any discomfort at all then i know ambivalence exists it, by that same token from this mastery of motivational interviewing is then how do I hold a mirror up to their future um, and have them project what they want to see on that as well too which is where the change talk comes from this is how we tip ambivalence between the sustained talk which is one half and the change talk which is the other half how what's the mastery at which I can hold this mirror up so they can actually project into who they want to be and then and either through reflections or questions being able to elicit a path or approach for what would it take for them to get there? This is how we reconcile or resolve ambivalence in a way that aligns with their vision of who they are or who they want to be. So again, when you look from that perspective, that is so other-centered and not us being self-centered as the one orchestrating the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and in that process, there is this intentionality, and I want to speak to that's what you're speaking to that's so strong that we include in the motivation interviewing competency assessment, which we have a whole separate podcast and other things on, of how to uh, embody this intention, um, this intention of trying to help people, because there is this sense of I intend to help them, and I just don't know where to guide it or how to guide it, and I just want to highlight that. Well, if your intention is to try to help them get clear, like you're saying, of who they want to be and the fact that they're unhappy right now dive right. into it somehow right. now right. If, if you're not exactly sure how you're doing that or where you're going with it that's where the skill set comes in to add to your intentionality and that's where someone like yourself Casey I think has so much experience you know you have all this repertoire of possibility to pull from and creativity in the moment and some people really have that and some people are need some back pocket questions and that's why sometimes as long as the tools are in relation to the intention you just said, they can be helpful to kind of fake it till you make it or get your feet underneath you when you're doing this. But for some people, just having the intention alone can help. I think that's just important to highlight that you can intend well, but that doesn't mean you're always knowing where you're going or how you help resolve ambivalence, because that can be a tricky thing to do when you just feel stuck and what else is the MI thing to say. Well, and I, there's just no way when you listen to anything, any of these concepts we talk about, there's no way to really make the whole process of long-term behavior change, true behavior change, a simple process. 
there's just so many complex nuances to it. And there's so many skill sets. What, you know, where my obsession comes from with motivational interviewing is just knowing the impact it has if I follow this fidelity-based approach, if I follow this um, and, and master this skill set, truly master the skill set, then I know the outcomes around me are going to improve. And, and I would rather rely on a masterful skill set than just taking my best guess because this is my opinion, this is what I think should work. I mean, just it, that is the, the place of how much do you wanna be able to navigate these types of issues with yourself as well as with other people. Um, and it's like anything else, you need to develop the, you know, a, a masterful knowledge base and a masterful skill set if you want masterful outcomes with it. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't have good outcomes without having the mastery of these skills. It's just not going to be as consistent. It's not going to be as efficient and as effective as if you have the skill sets that, that go inside. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there's so many angles to what you just said. I'll just say first, it's very rare as the primary coder at our institute, having you know literally coded thousands of tapes, it's very rare I ever hear a tape, or, or sorry, a, a person that has taken the full fidelity approach to become proficient and really master this. It's very, it's, it's certain people will do it and they'll have outcomes associated, but I just wanna highlight that like, it's like learning a language. And I wanna highlight oh, that yes. if you want it's and for you, you, you can talk about the brain surgeon analogy, that's great too. But the idea is that we're working with English. So it thinks, or we tend to think that if we're speaking English and we do it all the time and we're used to this, it's simple. And people start to learn, it's maybe not as simple as we thought. And not only that, the emotional piece of this is way harder. How we got kind of dove deep into the ethical influence thing at the beginning of this, that's way harder than people think. And so I think it's worth pointing out, like to your point, how much do you really want to master assessing ambivalence and navigating it? And a lot of that, the best research, I have a free PDF on our website that points to what it takes to learn motivational interviewing. The best andragogy teaching of the teaching research shows it takes practice with feedback for any complex skill any sort of thing. And then there's people out there that say, well, MI isn't that complex. But when you look at the research, it's a writing reflex for myself to say, well, that's not exactly what the research shows. It's not just open-ended questions and reflections. It's this right. complex nature of what you've been talking about, that there's a lot going on that we got to navigate. So how much are we practicing and getting feedback with it? You know, I think that's just really important to highlight for kind of where we're guiding people towards is if you want that skill set, it takes some work. So how worth it is for you to understand ambivalence with the person in front of you? I think that's an important highlight. There's some other points I have, but do you have any any other thoughts on that? Well, just the thought of it. I mean, it's the ambivalence on top of the ambivalence. I mean, it just depends on what layer you want to peel this back up. But then I think of the organizations or the agencies that have their own ambivalence about A, not having full informed choice because they're not aware of the extent of what a, it takes to become skilled at MI or to acquire motivation as an evidence-based practice. So their own ambivalence around that or their misinformation around that because the majority of the calls that you know that we get tend to be, hey, could you do a half-day training and we've got, you know, uh, can you do it for $10? Um, just do it at lunchtime. That won't take you that much time. And But we need everybody skilled and trained in MI by the end of the week. I mean, just there, there's a lot of information or understanding around that or the complexity of it. And it's not to try to oversell what it is. It truly is from an accurate assessment. Uh, it's not just because you take vitamin C every day. It doesn't mean you're not going to get a cold at some point in your life. Just because you take a vitamin C, it's just 
way too oversimplified. And for something as complex as long-term behavior change within every podcast you and I have done or the reality that we deal with in terms of organizational change, leadership, how do we orchestrate, how do we improve productivity, how do we deal with outcomes, all of those complexities. And then, oh, we need to go through a training on motivational interviewing. Like there's such a significant disconnect between those realities. I think this is, and it, and it all ties into what? What we're talking about right now is ambivalence reasons to change and reasons why not. We've got budget issues. We've got, you know, but we need to have these outcomes improved. We don't have time to invest to actually make the outcomes improved, but we'll keep throwing money and resources and people at it, but not enough to actually make it turn into something that's actually long-term sustainable and value added. Yeah. So, I mean, just ambivalence is ambivalence is ambivalence is ambivalence is ambivalence. So for me, why wouldn't you want to master the skill set on how do you deal with ambivalence? Because it is pervasive every single day in every aspect of our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as you're talking about that, and we're kind of bringing it more to a close with this one, or at least the last minutes or so of this, um, what's coming to mind is like, well, if this is resonating, if someone's listening, if you are listening to this, and you've made it this far, and you're this MI geeked out like we are on all this ambivalent stuff, there are some things I wanted to kind of bring up. I know that you do these Friday sort of things, so I wanted you to kind of speak to that at a certain point, these calls. Um, uh, once a month or something where people can kind of do some Q&A and geek out with you. And I want to point people to some free resources. And then I also want to point them to if they really want to get into the skill set that also we have, it's especially in our advanced training and our refresher training, we get deep into exploring ambivalence. Like that's, that's much more about it than our intro training. We also have skill building series. And if you really want to geek out with the skill set, we have immersion trainings where we just practice with feedback, practice with feedback. And then of course, there's the individual practice with feedback sessions. So those are all the kind of like services that relate to this. But in terms of some free uh, resources, I wanted you to speak at least to the Q&A and any other things, you know, for for reaching out to us, for people that want to hear more about these types of dialogues, um, so that you know, people that are really not just focused on the skill set, but they can geek out on MI. I was just wondering, I know you have a Q&A and I didn't know if there were other things. Well, you know, honestly, John, when you say that, the, what my brain just starts to, you know, ping around is that the whole point of why we do what we do at IFIFC is honestly <clears throat> for whatever people want. So there's the things that we have, but there's also just putting in the request of, you know, would you guys offer this or do this or do that? Our whole resource <laughs> library is based off requests from people, professionals, just saying, I want access to this. So two of the ones you're referencing, one of them is um, the supervisor support series that I do. That's that's monthly for supervisors. And there's different groups of supervisors that get together and they want to know how do I stay in the MI zone in a leadership role? Um, so I'm not trying to change one specific behavior and get somebody to stop smoking, but I'm trying to organize and and lead a, a team of individuals. So how do we look at MI through that lens? There's that support. And then there's the um, monthly web. It's not a webinar. I don't know what to call it. I'm doing it for almost a year now. And I still don't know what We're to call so it. We're so not tech savvy with that. I know. And it's, a, it's a monthly gathering, basically, or a monthly chance to, yeah, gather, get together um, with me kind of in the center of that gathering of people um, to just talk about anything that people want to talk about in terms of MI that maybe you not bring, might not bring up in a training or things that you've thought about or run into the client or your personal life. Um, so it's just a chance to actually have open forum dialogue um, that just looks through a motivation lens. I mean, we, we veer outside that MI lens when we get into other things as well. Um, but most everything we try to look at is through an MI lens 
which doesn't make it right or wrong. So there's so many right ways for people to access more information around all this and more supports um, because every day, literally every day we're churning out new resources uh, to support people so they can provide the services that they want to and develop professionally the way that they want to. So that's why I, I, I think checking out some of the other podcasts and things and for anyone that wants to get better, you we know the research is so consistent around submitting audio tapes and getting coaching. You know, you've got to get personal feedback. You want somebody to, to, to see your work or taste your work and give you specific feedback. I mean, that is the, the beauty in, in coding and coaching. That we, yeah. With an evidence-based fidelity, reliable tool. Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, and pun intended, if you're ambivalent about any of that, that there's also the option of uh, sending an uh, email to admin, A-D-M-I-N, admin at ifioc.com. And we will take all sorts of requests there for either podcast topics, things for Casey and I to riff off of, skill building things we do in our gold membership, where there's a whole monthly membership that if you sign up, you're hearing the podcast now, you can get the basic level for free that has these and a newsletter, or you can have the gold membership that has skill building activities that we've customized from people's requests. Well, we could customize more skill building activities. We'd love to. And so that's an option. I mean, there's so many things that if you just express yourself with us to us at admin at ifioc.com, that's a whole nother way. You have ifioc.com to put in a request for a specific kind of training. That's an option. Absolutely. But there's also these free options we're pointing to too. So this isn't just some thing to like sell services. This is honestly adding value to help you, you know, be, as we talk about, the communication solution to change your world. So that's what we're really trying to do here. We hope to hear from you. And that's the last bit I got. Casey, anything else for you? No, I just appreciate it. I love that people write in and ask for us to kind of, you know, go on to these topics and walk down these paths and explore on this level. I mean, that's what we love to do. And especially that people like to listen to it and are finding value and it is just kind of best case scenario. All right. Well, hopefully this helped you in a most cheesy way resolve <laughs> your ambivalence about engaging further with some aspect of your communication and helping people to be that communication solution to change the world for the better. So we, we appreciate you taking your time and effort and hope to see you in the future. Take care. Thanks. Take care.